Well, hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and this is Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called Encourage, Disciple, and Challenge the People of God. Uh, today is, this recording at least, is for November the 13th, Friday. Um, as for me right now, it's Thursday night, and I am still sitting in my room in Mount Sterling, Ohio. Um, I've had a great visit up here. I got my Ohio Christian University hat on uh, and uh, had a good time on that campus day before yesterday. And then today I spent my time at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. Um, so uh, it was a good time. Got to talk to a lot of students, got to meet some faculty and staff and uh, promote uh, the Network of International Christian Schools, which is who I recruit for. So um, today we find ourselves in the final verses of the book of Acts, uh, in Acts chapter number 28. And of course, I wish I could, but I can't really put uh, the verses up while I am looking at a single screen. So all I have with me in my hotel is my laptop and, <laughs> and nothing else, a laptop. Um, we have been, uh, let's see, Acts chapter number 28. Uh, if we could just go ahead and look over there, Acts chapter number 28. Of course, in Acts chapter number 28, uh, Paul, uh, he's in Rome. And uh, you remember that uh, prior to that, he was shipwrecked on the island of Melita. And uh, he healed uh, Publius's father, as well as many of the other folks there. On the island, and then yesterday we got down to verse number 16 when we picked up our study. And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. Uh, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. Uh, that's pretty important because when we get to the end of this chapter, we're going to see that Paul is in his own hired house. And it doesn't appear that he has any type of guard around him, uh, though he was still apparently under arrest. Um, he wasn't allowed to leave, obviously. He, he's going to stay there two years. Um, but here, he before this, he before that, he's, he's between, he's got a soldier with him. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And of course, that was the leader of the synagogue. It wasn't necessarily a rabbi. And when they were come together, he said unto the men and brethren, Though I've committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. So Paul begins to recount uh, how he had been accused of obviously teaching against the customs of our fathers. And you remember that was the accusation that was made, who when they had examined me in verse number 18, would have let me go. Now, of course, he's referring to not the Jews, he's referring to Felix and then Festus and then Agrippa, because there was no cause of death in me. In other words, the Romans could have cared less whether or not Paul was preaching against the law of Moses. There was nothing civilly that Paul had done in regards to breaking Roman law. Um, but when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar. You'll remember Agrippa uh, basically didn't want to let Paul go. Uh, he wanted to go back to Jerusalem and have a trial. And Paul's like, nah, <laughs> you know, just forget it. I appeal to Caesar. Uh, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. Uh, and we talked about that 
uh, yesterday when he said not to accuse my nation of, um, he, uh, and then he says, uh, let's see, for this cause, and for this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound in these chains. Now, notice when he says the hope of Israel, what is the hope of Israel? Their Messiah. Uh, Paul was preaching their Messiah, the hope of Israel. Uh, Simeon referred to this as the consolation of Israel. And, of course, the consolation would come after the Messiah, would come after the acceptance of the Messiah, referring to the kingdom. That's very much a kingdom verse or word that Simeon used uh, in Luke uh, 2.25, when, when it says uh, Simeon and the same man was just about waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel is referring to the kingdom. And, of course, um, it was rejected. And then verse number 21, And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, nor neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. So, these people that he's talking to, these Jews, obviously, uh, that he's speaking uh, speaking of here, um, you know, they turn around and tell him, they say, you know, we we haven't received any letters out of Judea, nor any of the brethren that came. Now, that's not to be confusing there. They were not talking about believing Jews. These were unbelieving Jews from everything I can tell. So the word brother, and we have to be careful with that just because the brother is the word brother. I mean, today, even in our culture, you know, we talk about brothers, you know, we call each other, what's up, brother? You know, what's up, bro? You know, that doesn't, doesn't mean anything spiritual at all. Now, when I'm talking to a spiritual brother, I'll say my brother from another mother, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about a spiritual brother in Christ, in the faith, but here in the verse, we have to be careful. Context, context, context. Uh, the word brother here is just speaking of other Jews. And again, the context is always the key when we read the Word of God and when we rightly interpret the Word of God. That's why I, I, I don't enjoy, for the most part, I find it very difficult to teach topically uh, because topical teaching, is, it's very easy to get out of the context. It's very easy to just drop into a chapter drop into a verse, you know, not paying attention to the verses before it or the verses after it or the chapter before it and the chapter after it, and just, you know, kind of put your own spin on it. And a lot of preachers do that today. Most preaching today is topical. Topical. Uh, you know, when, you know, the preacher gives a nine-part sermon on marriage, I mean, the vast majority of that, you know, I mean, he may be getting some, some, principle out of scripture, but the New Testament doesn't talk a lot about marriage. <laughs> I mean, it really doesn't. I mean, Ephesians, you know, it's taught, but it's comparing the relationship of, to Christ and his, and, and the church. Um, again, I mean, we're just, you know, we're preaching a lot of things that aren't really in the scripture. Uh, so context is key. And once you get outside of context, what I say, a military term, you're off the map. Once you're off the map, you're lost. You know, you're making it up, <laughs> you know, you know, in the military, we used to say, you know, once you were lost, you know, you, you stop right where you are. We used to teach the little boy scouts, you know, when you, when you're lost, stop, don't run, don't freak out. Don't try to make your way back. Just stop. 
you know, right where you are. And of course, the young ones, you know, we just say stop and we'll find you. Uh, the older ones will say stop, get your bearings first before you do anything hasty, before you run off in all directions. And, and before you know it, you don't know where you are. You don't know up or down, left or right, and you're in trouble. Um, you know, in the Marine Corps, we'd always say shoot a back azimuth on your compass and try to find out where you came from, because until you know where you came from, you don't know where you're going. <laughs> and uh, a lot of uh, Christians would do well to do that. Remember where you come from. And we come from the scriptures. So whatever we teach, whatever we do, whatever we say, it needs to be founded in the scriptures. You know, I uh, posted, you know, not to get all political on you, but I posted something the other day that, uh, you know, it, it sparked a few folks because I said, uh, and, and quite frankly, it's probably my last post on Facebook. I'm, I'm just kind of done with that, other than my directional ministries page that I'll continue to feed to. Uh, but uh, I said uh, that I would never uh, vote. Uh, what was it? I said, uh, you can't sing to Jesus on Sunday and vote to kill babies on Tuesday. Um, and I know a lot of Christians that did that. Uh, I know a lot of Christians that did that. And when I said that, oh my, they wanted to defend themselves. I didn't ask them to defend themselves. They didn't have to read it. They could have scrolled, but no, 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 no. They went into long, you know, thousand word essays on why, uh, they voted the way they did. And, uh, my final response to them was after, I don't know, 20, 30 uh, responses in the thread. Other people got involved saying they disagreed with them, and I just let them go back and forth. Uh, and finally got quiet for a few days, and then I, I finally I asked them a question. I said, well, um, I've heard what you guys have to say. Now my question is, what do you do with Romans chapter number 1 verse 18 through the end of the chapter where uh, Paul said, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness of men and unrighteousness of men who hold not the truth or who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And of course, we know what that, that those verses are talking about. You know, they neither glorified God. They neither glorified him or as God. They weren't thankful. They became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Uh, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of God and of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible men. They gave themselves up to unclean lust to dishonor um, their bodies between themselves. And he goes into the whole line about homosexuality. Um, and yes, that's what that's talking about. There is no doubt about that. Um, and he says, for this this cause, God gave them up to their vile affections, women. I did not use the natural use of their bodies, but that which is against nature. They left the natural, men left the natural use of the woman. Um, and then the last verse I told them to concentrate on was um, they're without understanding, they're covenant breakers, they're without natural affection. That's referring to man for female, not man to man or woman to woman. It's natural affection. Um, who knowing the judgment of God, these guys that do these things, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So my question to them was, what are you going to do with this? It's not only condemning 
those who do these things, but it's condemning those who uh, approve of what these people are doing. Um, and the way they approve of it is with their vote. Uh, the NIV actually uses the word uh, that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same, but they approve of them. And when you put that check in that box uh, for the blue candidate, that's exactly what you're doing. It's been crickets. Um, haven't heard any responses <laughs> to that. No crickets. Oh, they were giving me the thousand word essays. And, and, you know, they may respond. But what are you going to do with the scripture? I mean, eventually, you know, whatever you're going to throw out there, you're going to have to take it back to scripture. And if you can't take it back to scripture, you're on thin ice, my brother. Um, you just better stop and figure out where you came from. Because uh, again, if you don't know where you're coming from, you don't know where you're going. And uh, so, um, uh, so back to the verse, uh, every head bowed and every eye closed, altar call now. Uh, but back to the verse, uh, these Jews say, we neither received letters out of Judea concerning you, neither of any of the brethren that came showed or spoke any harm of thee. In other words, they don't know what Paul's talking about. They wasn't aware of what happened in Jerusalem. They didn't know about his trial before Felix and Festus and Agrippa. They didn't know anything about it. Uh, and the good thing here is that this made them unbiased toward Paul. Uh, they were an unbiased jury, 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 jury. <laughs> they were, I'm tired. They were an unbiased jury. Uh, they hadn't formed any kind of opinions about him at this point. But in verse number 22, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. For as concerning the sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Well, here we go. <laughs> Notice that they refer to the believing Jews. Now that tells me they're not believing Jews, obviously, okay? Uh, they refer to the believing Jews as a sect. And if you look that word up in the Greek, that word is translated heresy. Um, now the word heresy by definition just means unbelief or, or, belief, or by definition it means a, any belief or theory that is strongly at variance with an established belief or custom. So the word in and of itself is not necessarily bad, okay? It's not necessarily bad. And these guys are saying, what about the sect that is obviously believing some other things that are not established belief and customs among the Jews? Now, Randy White points out something very interesting when he says, even by this late date, so this is about 63 uh, AD, which is interesting because this means that Paul uh, spent his two years in Rome between 63, 64, 65. So in the middle of, of uh, you know, uh, at least five years for the destruction of Rome in 70 AD. And of course, it was during this time that Paul wrote his prison epistles. And we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the end. But uh, Randy points out, even by this late date, 63 AD, there had not been a removal from the Jews by the members of the way. In other words, the way, those who followed Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, had not officially broken from Judaism. Um, 
though the sect was spoken against by the Jews, Jewish brethren, again, when it uses, when Randy uses the word brethren there, he's talking about fellow Jews. Um, if this is true, this is the almost, this is the almost astonishing fact that believers in Jesus Christ, such as the apostles and those who believe the message, the kingdom message of the apostles, are living, still continuing in 63 AD, still continuing to live within Judaism. And thus clearly, they are still obedient to the laws of Judaism. They were still going to the temples. They were still making sacrifice, uh, unlike what many people teach. I mean, there was not a First Baptist Church of Jerusalem on the corner. Um, hist historically, kingdom believers uh, still saw themselves as part of Judaism. Now, people will tell you today that they're kingdom believers. No, they're not. The Jews are kingdom believers. Uh, kingdom believers still saw themselves as part of Judaism and not something else, let alone another religion. Okay, They were simply believing in the promises given to their fathers in the Old Testament in regards to the coming Messiah and the establishment of the kingdom. Now, remember that even the derogatory word Christian that was first used in Antioch, all three times that word is used in the New Testament, I think it's two in Acts and one in Peter, it's referring to Jews. It's referring to kingdom Jews. It's not referring to the body of Christ, even though, yeah, we're Christians. Um, I mean, it's what uh, Rodney Ballou would call trans-dispensational. I mean, it's a trans-dispensational word. It's a trans-dispensational precept. I mean, we are followers of Christ. Um, then notice verse number 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging. In other words, they came to his house. Um, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning to evening. So in verse number 22, remember they said to him, tell us about this sect that we hear everybody speaking against. Now, a few days later, they all rendezvous at Paul's house and he expounded to them. He testified to them of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. And how did he do this? Out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets. Okay. Uh, now, the fact that he expands and persuades them out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets should make it very clear to you at this point that he is not speaking of the gospel of grace because it cannot be found in the law of Moses or in the prophets. Uh, it's not there. Um, Paul said in Romans 16, 25, now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. So how could Paul be sharing the grace gospel to them out of the law of Moses and the prophets when it was kept secret since the world began? It's not there. It was revealed to Paul. Again, we have to stop looking at the book of Acts as the birth of the church 
and more so about the diminishing of Israel. The book of Acts is a transitional book. Uh, it is going from Peter to Paul, from the kingdom gospel to the grace gospel, from Jerusalem to Antioch. It is about the diminishing of Israel. And Paul talks about this in Romans eleven twelve. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more so their fullness. You remember this graphic right here? It shows the diminishing. They were, they were, the kingdom offer was being slowly rejected. So the book of Acts is about the diminishing of the nation of Israel. And then, of course, we're in the age of grace here, the age of the church from Romans to Philemon. Now, when you get back over to Hebrews, Hebrews is written to who? The Hebrews. You know, I had a young man ask me the other day, well, tell it, you know, he was going over chapter number 12 about impossible to those who tasted the fruit. And, you know, and immediately they try to tie that into uh, a Christian, a believer in the body of Christ losing their salvation. The book of Hebrews wasn't written to the body of Christ. It was written to Jews who were under the law. It was written to convince them of the kingdom and the kingdom offer. So it's obvious to me that Paul's greatest desire still at this point was for the nation to repent, to accept Jesus as their long-awaited Messiah, which was first required for the kingdom to be given. So that should tell us that the kingdom offer was still on the table or Paul wouldn't have been preaching it. So no, he's not talking to these guys about the grace gospel. Another point to be made here is that the grace gospel was the gospel of the uncircumcision, not the circumcision. Paul made that abundantly clear. And in Galatians 2, in chapter number 7, he said, But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as was the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. Paul didn't preach um, the gospel of the uncircumcision to the circumcision. He preached the gospel of the kingdom to the circumcision, and he preached the gospel of grace to the uncircumcised, okay, which is simply a, a way of saying Jew and Gentile. Now notice verse number 24, and some believed that which was spoken and some didn't. <laughs> so isn't that the truth? Paul's only obligation was to be faithful in sharing it, as is ours. We're not responsible for the outcome. Uh, all we're responsible for is de declaring the message. They are responsible for whether or not they receive that or not. Verse 25, and when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. And after that, Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet. So here, clearly, when they agreed not among themselves. So obviously his message was being rejected. Uh, because he's preaching that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, that the kingdom was still on the table if they would but repent and be baptized. And they agreed not among themselves about that. And they departed after that. Paul said one word. What was that word? Paul is going to quote Isaiah uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, who said, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, shall see and not perceive. 
For the heart of this people is waxed gross in verse 27. Their eyes are dull of hearing. Their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. So he lost them at that point because he is quoting Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, saying, having eyes to see, they're not hearing. Having ears to hear, they're not listening. Okay. Now, if you go into Isaiah, very interesting. If you keep reading Isaiah 6 and you flow down into verse number 11, the next part of that verse, which Paul did not quote, is, then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the city be wasted without inhabitant, the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be great forsaking in the midst of the land. But in it shall be a tent, and and it shall return, and shall be eaten, and the and a teal tree as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. That was the whole context of what Paul should have read. Uh, Paul just quoted Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 saying, hey, you got eyes to see, you got ears to hear, you ain't listening. Okay. Of course, they knew their Bible. They know They know the Hebrew scriptures. They know what followed those verses. Condemnation is what followed those verses. And that's when they stopped listening because they knew where he was going with that. But the interesting thing is that's not what happened. What happened? Grace happened. As we've already established, the Hebrew scriptures did not know the mystery of the temporary postponement and the age of grace. Only Paul knew about that. So Paul wasn't preaching that because he didn't go into the second part of Isaiah 6. He just stopped right there. Um, That's where grace came in. And again, grace, this postponement, is not seen in the law of Moses and in the prophets. Verse 28, Be it known therefore unto you that that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and they will hear it. Paul now reveals the mystery to them that God is not going to bring that judgment, the very judgment that they knew was coming next in Isaiah 6, 11 through 13. He's not going to bring that judgment on them, but instead he's going to take the message of salvation to the Gentiles without them through the grace gospel. Now, the context here doesn't tell me that Paul went into all of that. He, he just said, you know, you've rejected it. You have eyes to see, you didn't see. You have ears to hear, you didn't hear. And this is what should be happening to you next, judgment. But be it known unto you, therefore, that the salvation of God is now sent to the Gentiles. And they will, they will listen. They will hear it. So Paul is revealing that instead of judgment, God is now, of course, God did bring judgment on Israel. I mean, five, six years, seven years later, uh, the nation was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. But that's not the judgment that Isaiah 6, (laughs) chapter 13 is talking about. Uh, That's tribulation type judgment. And uh, that 
didn't happen. Um, and again, as we've already established, God was going to uh, do this through the message that he gave to Paul. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. So they walked away. They walked away. They were confused. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came to him. Um, the time that Paul spent in his own hired house would have been, like I said, 63, 64, 65. We don't know exactly when in 63 he's he arrived in Rome. We're not sure, but we do know that while he was there, he wrote his prison epistles. He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, which are the prison epistles. Um, then notice in verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God. So while he's there, those two years, he's preaching the kingdom of God, and he's teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Um so during those two years, he preached the kingdom of God, comma, and those things that concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I see it, and I can only speak for myself, and I can only speak today, um, I believe this verse is saying that Paul preached both gospels, that he preached the God that that he preached both gospels during those two years. Obviously, kingdom gospel to Jews, grace gospel to Gentiles. Um, in other words, uh, Paul believed that the kingdom offer was still on the table at this point. If, if he didn't believe it was still on the table at this point, why in the world would he be preaching the kingdom gospel? Um, so I believe that that final verse is saying that the kingdom of God was being preached by Paul and those things that concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I'm sure while Paul was there, he came into contact with Gentiles, <laughs> it's Rome. It's the capital. Uh, matter of fact, it talks about in some of the some of the other epistles that he led some in the palace to the Lord. Uh, and those were Gentiles. So why would he be preaching the kingdom of God to Gentiles in Rome? Uh, he wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have preached the gospel of the circumcision to the uncircumcised. Um, so Paul believed that the offer was still on the table at this time. Of course, um, later, once the, the city was destroyed under Titus Vespasian in 70 AD, uh, I believe that that's when God showed Paul about the postponement. And of course, that's when Paul wrote First and Second Thessalonians. <laughs> uh, when you saw that postponement, when he talked about the rapture. Uh, so, but with that, um, I went a little long tonight, but I did want to wrap up the book of Acts. And now we're going to roll over into Romans. Um, now, I'm not going to go straight into Romans. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and probably go over to Galatians. But uh, some Bible teachers make the note that maybe Paul uh, here in these verses was preaching the kingdom of God. And those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he fully fleshed out in the book of Romans. Um, and I believe that Romans is really written more to the Jew to show what God is doing among the Gentiles. Uh, but again, I, I'm studying that. I, I'm not the bastion of truth or answers there, but uh, 
anyway, that's some speculation, but you know, it's been a privilege working through the book of Acts with you guys. Uh, I'm going to take all my notes and I'm going to put them all together and come up with a commentary and then I'm going to go on the road. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's just been phenomenal. I mean, I can't wait to go through the book again. I mean, every time you go through it, I'm sure we're going to pick up something else. So give me a little while and I'm going to gather my notes together on the book of Galatians. Sunday will be our last session. I believe it's session 40. That's, that's a good number. <laughs> Very significant in the Bible. Uh, but uh, so uh, I believe it's 40. I might be wrong. But uh, uh, Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, we'll wrap up the book of Acts in totality. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day and you have a great weekend. God bless you.